Welcome to the 54th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we are doing a breakdown of UFC 271, which was headlined by Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. And after that, we're going to look briefly at next week's main card, which is going to be headlined by Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker. So uh, we'll start right off at the top with Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. And unfortunately, um, one of the biggest things that is getting talked about in this fight is the scoring. And in my opinion, really, you only can definitively give Izzy round one and Rob round five. So for rounds two through four, I mean, I'm not going to argue with anyone who scored those rounds in any type of way. Because I can get the, I understand the case that you are making. I, I do think Izzy um, round two might be a little bit clearer, uh, or round three, excuse me. Um, but you know, those are all those are all really really close rounds in there. So um, I'm not gonna get caught up in oh how did I score each round and why, um, because I I really don't think it matters. And you know, this is a direct reflective of the way the rules are in MMA, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but this is one of those fights where we have to weigh what is effective striking, you know. Izzy landed a lot of leg kicks. Well, Robert Whitaker landed a lot of jabs. So how do those two balance each other? Um, how do you score a takedown that, you know, you know, Rob takes Izzy down, he doesn't hold him down for very long, and he doesn't do a lot of ground control damage or get to a great position. Um, and there's a couple cases where that's not necessarily true. Um, there was a couple times where Rob landed some ground and pound. There were a couple times where, well, one time specifically where Rob got to the back. Um, he didn't attack a choke too hard um, from that position. But he, that, I, that's, uh, that last statement was kind of an overgeneralization. But there are some times where Rob gets a takedown, great takedown, Izzy gets right back up. How do you score that? Because getting the takedown, that's effective grappling. And, you know, getting up, that's effective grappling. So how, how do you weigh those options? And at the end of the day, that all is, is personal, and that's on you. So um, I'm not going to sit here and uh, debate who won each round because I'm not too passionate about getting caught up in, in the scoring of an incredibly close fight. Now, to um, talk about the fight itself, Izzy had a great first round, um, scored a knockdown. That was the biggest moment of that fight. Um, he landed some other good shots as well. He, in as much as Izzy does this in every fight, once again, landed a lot, a lot of really good leg kicks. And that really, you know, I don't want to say it hurt Rob, but it, it affected him. You could clearly tell. And um, overall, I, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed by Izzy's performance per se, but um, I think he can do more, right? I don't think we saw all of his talent in that fight. There were there were moments where I see Izzy and I wish he would just throw another shot, right? They're in an exchange. And I feel like Izzy was in a, is in a good position to, to land a shot that could put Rob down, similar to in the first fight when he landed two shots. You know, they're getting in, in exchanges, and he's able to land a hook that puts him down. And, you know, I think there were some opportunities where he could have thrown some more of those. 
but at the same time, that's also putting him in danger, and he did win the fight. So at the end of the day, he won the fight. So I guess you, you can't be too critical. But in terms of chasing a finish, um, I, th- I think he could have done a little bit more. And, you know, um, the same can be said, or excuse me, the same can be said for Robert Whitaker. I mean, Robert Whitaker landed a lot of jabs, and very rarely did he follow that jab with a right hand, did he follow that jab with a kick, you know, very, very jab-oriented without much coming after the jab. So, um, as much as it was a close fight, and you can give Rob three rounds realistically, um, you can give him two rounds very, very, very reasonably, and probably that's probably the uh, best scorecard. But, um, you know, if he throws a couple shots behind a jab, you know, if he lands a jab, maybe follows it with a hook, follows it with a leg kick, follows it with a body shot, anything. Um, if he could just mix in a couple more shots, maybe he wins that fight. Um, because there wasn't necessarily a lot of action. So one or two good shots, solid shots in a round can really, really change who's going to win that round. Because um, at the end of the day, you got to win rounds if, if you're going to get out a decision victory. Now, um, the, the biggest takeaway for me in this fight is these are the two best guys in the world. Uh, I don't really see any debate in that. I think Jared Kinnanier could be there eventually. Uh, you know, he did lose to Rob once already. And, you know... You never know what's going to happen in, in that fight if he doesn't get hurt. But for right now, it's Rob and Izzy 1 and 2. And right now, Izzy has just um, got the two wins. So he's in a much better position in terms of their futures right now. Now, um, I guess I guess before we, we move on to kind of giving a breakdown of what's next for these guys, um, one more thing about Izzy is Izzy is so good defensively, right? He he doesn't get hit a lot, right? Rob landed some jabs in there, but if you're really only getting hit by some good jabs, that's not really the end of the world because he's getting hit by jabs and, you know, possibly he could have defended if there were shots coming after you. It's hard to tell. But um, the way is he utilizes head movement and gets out of the way the way of strikes makes him really, really hard to beat. And I think that is the one skill that we've seen carry over from um, previous fights. You know, in the Costa fight, for example, when he did get a very, very good finish in that fight, um, still, he was not getting hit, right? And, you know, so he still has those abilities from some of his really, really memorable performances but um, we're just a couple pieces short right now. Um, and it, it's weird seeing Izzy in the state he is now. Um, I guess, you know, I did say we were going to talk about uh, what's, he- what's next for these guys, but we're going to get off the tracks for a minute because this is, I think this is a really interesting topic because in Izzy's early run at 185 pounds, he looked unbeatable, right? When he took out Whitaker and when he took out Costa, those were tremendous performances that, you know, after the after the Costa fight, the real question was, you know, how do you beat this guy? Who can who can beat this guy? And we I don't think we've seen the same fighter 
in the most recent fights from him. Um, I know he got the wins against Vittori, and he, and he got the win against Whitaker. Um, he did lose to Jan, um, obviously. That's up at 205. I'm not too worried about that. But it, it just doesn't feel the same watching him fight, right? Even though all the skills are still there, something feels off. And that's not to say he can't do it. Um, I mean, Anderson Silva went through a very similar stretch in his career where Anderson Silva, you know, had that bad fight against Damian Maia where um, Dana White walked out and... You know, they considered that fight a failure because it was boring and Anderson Silva didn't really do much. So um, it's not to say that he can't come back. You know, that's not what I'm trying to imply at all. But I, I just think it's interesting and I think we need to see him again give us one of those performances, one of those classic performances, because we haven't gotten one of those from Izzy in a while. And while he's supposed to be the UFC's... Ooh, well, he's supposed to be the UFC's biggest star, we have, you know, not, he, he hasn't been performing like it. If you look at Usman, Usman went to war with Colby twice. Uh, he finished Gilbert. He finished Jorge. Those were all tremendous performances. If you look at Charles Oliveira, he went to war with Chandler and gets the knockout. He goes to war with Dustin Poirier, gets the submission. If you look at even Volkanovski, Volkanovski goes out there and he, he beats one of the best fighters of the last generation and the current generation, Max Holloway, and he goes out there and has an all-time classic fight against Brian Ortega. And you can go up and down, and I guess outside of, outside of 205, you know, um, we're really seeing a lot of that in the champ. I guess that's an overgeneralization too because 125 has been back and forth. Um, 135 has been in peril, but Piotr Jan has given us great performances. Francis Heavyweight gave us a great knockout. The last fight wasn't um, a Francis-esque performance, but there were some knee injuries and things. So I find it real interesting, the position that Izzy's in. And I'm interested to see what these next performances from him are going to look like because I think that the aura of invincibility that a really great fighter has has really disappeared from Izzy. You know, if you look at prime Mike Tyson or or prime Conor McGregor, you know, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva at a time, all those guys had the aura of you can't beat this guy. And Izzy had that at one point a couple of fights ago, and I just don't think that it is present anymore, even though all of these skills are still in place. So I think that is something to keep an eye out for, and that is something that I'm intrigued with, so I will definitely speak about that more in the future as things come up with that and we see Izzy fight more. Now, in terms of seeing Izzy fight more, he's fighting. he wants to fight in June, and the name is going to be Jared Cannonier. There is no question. We'll obviously talk about Jared Cannonier later as well. But he went out there and got a great performance, and or had a great performance, and got a tremendous victory. And that is what Jared Cannonier or Derek Brunson had to do if they wanted to get this title shot. Um, go out there, get a finish. It was, it was. It's not easy, but it was. It was a simple. It was a simple thing. You go out, do this task, a very hard task, you'll be rewarded. And I think Jared Kennedy will be rewarded. 
and he is the only guy in the top five who Israel Adesanya has not already beat. So I think it's going to be very obvious Jared Cannonier gets that next title shot. And I think that should be a fun fight, a very interesting fight. And um, Jared Cannonier, I'm interested to see his game plan going in. Will he pressure a little bit more? Um, I'm interested, you know. He was getting hit a little bit against Brunson, so that, that could prove to be concerning. However, at the same time, when you're fighting a wrestler, you can give up um, opportunities to get hit, right? If you're trying to defend a takedown and they come upstairs, you can get dropped. It happens. Um, we'll talk more about uh, that performance later, obviously. But Cannonier versus Izzy, I think, is going to be a fun buildup and a really fun fight. And I'm happy to be Izzy to see Izzy fighting some fresh blood here soon. Now, for Robert Whitaker, he's obviously in a very unfortunate position because he is the second best fighter in this weight class by a mile from what we can tell at the current moment. He is in a very similar position to Max Holloway where what do we do, you know? Um, you know, and even Rob has already fought a lot of these guys. He fought Cannoneer. He fought, I guess not. He fought Cannoneer, Till, and Gastelum. So, um, Vittori versus Whitaker could make a level of sense. You could do Whitaker versus Costa. That makes a level of sense. Those are both really fun fights. I think Paulo Costa, I think that fight would be tremendous um, as well. But you also have Sean Strickland in the mix. And I don't think we see Sean Strickland jump up all the way to get that shot against Whitaker unless the UFC is really trying to push Sean Strickland to a title shot. But um, they might look at doing Paula versus Sean Strickland, and then that could lead to Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. So I think that could be something interesting. However, at the same time, if you do Whitaker versus Vittori, is the winner going to get a title shot? You know, yeah, that's something you got to think about as, as a consequence to that fight. So moving on to, oh, one last thing, one last thing um, that I for, totally completely forgot to talk about is Israel Adesanya's takedown defense. Once again, as he proved, he's a hard guy to take down and a hard guy to hold down. And while he does give up the back a little bit too much, um, it hasn't burnt him yet. Could it burn him in the future? Yes. Um, however, uh, you can see it done effectively. Jared Cannonier had a really nice get up where he turned to his back, got up. Key is wrist control. So I think that is one change Izzy can implement in his game plan right away. He's making sure we got wrist control when we're, when we're turning to the back and uh, getting up. Um, that's just one last thing I wanted to throw in there um, before we moved on to Tai Tuivasa versus Derek Lewis. Now, um, let me be the first to say I thought Derek Lewis was going to win this fight, right? Um, Tai Tuivasa is someone who I respect completely, who I think is a tremendous fighter. But Derek Lewis, coming into this, has had the most knockouts of all time, still does. Don't know why I said it in past tense. That's my bad. But Derek Lewis has a unique skill set. And Tai Tuivasa went out there and fought to that skill set perfectly. Um he did a very good job of, you know, there were moments in that first round where Derek threw some big shots, Ty gets it to the clinch, we're up against the cage, that's that's the success. And I think the most surprising thing about this fight was the chin. 
because while Tai Tuivasa won this fight, it, it wasn't perfect. He got hit a lot. Um, he, in, in all honesty, Derek Lewis probably landed more power shots than Tai Tuivasa. And at the end of the day, um, Tai's chin just held up, right? Very, very impressive. Um, in my opinion, he might now have the best chin at heavyweight. You know, usually when we talk about chin at heavyweight, it's usually, well, these guys throw so hard, they just get knocked out. Well, Tai Tuivasa, a one massive shot from Derek Lewis. Um, I think he rolled into it a little bit, which helped, but a big hook from Derek Lewis, whether you're rolling in or away from it or not, doesn't really matter. And that should put you out, but it didn't put Ty out. So credit to him. And the ground and pound that Derek was landing, also very vicious shots. A lot of guys don't eat those shots. And Ty Tuivasa did. So I think that's really impressive, and that could help him tremendously in, in future fights in that heavyweight division. And um, lastly, from that fight, the X's and O's of that fight, the elbows up against the cage, tremendous, tremendous um, move from Tai Tuivasa. Uh, when you look at that fight, they they were had some exchanges, right? They get up against the cage, and then... Ty doesn't do it on the first exchange. He doesn't mix in the elbow on the first exchange. But eventually when he has him hurt, he mixes, he mixes in a big, big elbow and knocks Derek Lewis out. Very impressive, impressive, impressive. That's all I can say um, with that knockout. Love the way he set it up and hit it and put out Derek Lewis. Now, what is next for Ty Tuivasa? Very interesting. Um, because the heavyweight division right now, there's a lot of questions. You know, we don't know what's going on with the people above him and the people below him. There's a lot of guys who are booked up, right? We have a matchup between Blades and Chris Dowskis. That's four and seven. We have a matchup between, between Volkov and Aspinall. They're five and ten. And then, um, Tai Tuivasa will probably jump to three or four. Um, I imagine he goes to three, but you can never be too sure. And then um, ahead of him, what are we going to do with Nganu? Are we going to throw an interim title on the line? Who knows? Um, if if we don't throw an interim title on the line, is it is John Jones going to actually come back? If if John Jones doesn't come back, does Stipe get the rematch? Because if they don't want to give Stipe a rematch, then you're looking at Tai Tuivasa being the highest-ranked guy outside of Gan, who Nganu just beat, and Stipe, who Nganu beat the fight before. So I wouldn't be surprised if the um, kind of if the pieces move in a way that Tai Tuivasa gets a title shot. With that being said, they could easily throw an interim belt on the line and give it to Gan and Mjolchik. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, with that, they could wait for. Uh, and Ganu to heal and give that fight to John Jones and book Ganu Miochik for a number one contender type dealio. So there's a lot of options at heavyweight, and Taidu Tuivasa is going to get a lot of interesting names run across for a fight, right? Um, that Volkov and Tom Aspinall fight, especially if Tom Aspinall wins, you know, you can match up Aspinall and Taidu Tuivasa, and then you're kind of looking at a, at a, Mm, well, maybe, you know, 
I think a win over Derek Lewis is a little bit more meaningful than Volkov, but you know, either way, still impressive. And you could have two really, really bright prospects who are now moved their way into contender status, and they'll both be in the top five. You can square them off. Winner gets a title shot. So at the end of the day, what I'm saying is that there's a lot of questions at heavyweight, and the same goes for Derek Lewis. Depending on where the pieces fall, there are a plethora of options for Derek Lewis. And to to give my prediction for where I think these guys are going to fight, I think they give Ty to Ivasa in all honesty. I think I see Ty getting a title shot. I, I, I think that that would be a thing the UFC would want to do. Ty's stock is so high right now. And Ty seems like the a company guy who is willing to fight whoever, whenever, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they give him that title shot as the highest-ranked guy without a loss to Francis Ngannou. For Derek Lewis, if Tom Aspinall wins, I think they do Aspinall versus Derek Lewis. Same reason they did Tai Tuivasa versus Derek Lewis. You know, young guy, a lot of talent, match him up, and you get a chance to beat Derek Lewis, move yourself to the top of that division. And um, that, that would also be a very, very big fight, and you're really increasing your name value. And then moving down on the card, we had Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. And Brunson came in with the most Derek Brunson game plan you could ever imagine, right? Russell, 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 mixing some strikes. And um, in that first round, he won that first round, Derek Brunson did. And... Um, with that being said, Cannonier was still doing a good job defending takedowns and not getting in bad positions, not staying on his back for too long. Even when Brunson got to a pretty good position, um, very, very close to um, full mount, uh, Brunson still got up. So credit to him for that. And then um, Brunson, Brunson gets a knockdown at the end of the first round and I'm surprised he tried to go for a rear naked choke because you saw clock clock ran out. Um, maybe he could have got a finish if he went for more strikes. You know, you can't really tell too much. But uh, regardless, it gets to the second round and Jared Cannonier is able to find a finish. Now, um, tremendous, tremendous finish. Once again, elbow. This was a Muay Thai elbow. They weren't up against the cage. So... Um, Jared Cannonier lands that Muay Thai elbow right to the temple and a really, really nice back fist. Um, I like the way it was utilized. You know, you, you're going through with momentum this way, and then you go back with the back fist. I liked it. It landed well, and you're not giving someone a chance to get off the hook, right? You, you're putting pressure on him, and that's exactly what he did. He puts pressure on Derek Brunson, tries to throw a head kick, and it really hits him up top in the pec area. If that would have landed on Derek Brunson's chin, he would have been in a bad, bad spot. Now, um, but it didn't, and Jared Cannonier still able to land some good shots, get Brunson to the ground, and end this fight. Now, credit to Brunson's corner for throwing in the towel, and credit to the ref for stopping the fight, right? If you look at both of those um, decisions, ref made a very good decision. 
um, gave Brunson a chance to recover, um, but he wasn't able to, and Canada landed a three good elbows, I think it was, very powerful, and the ref said, okay, those the, that's it, that's it. Maybe he could have stepped in an elbow earlier, but at that point, you're, you're really splitting hairs. And meanwhile, Brunson's corner throws in the towel. Also, I have no problem with, with it. He was unconscious when they threw the towel, so it's a, it's a fair, fair move to make. And to me, throwing in the towel was very meaningful just because Brunson has talked recently about he's got two fights left. Um, that being the first one, and he wants to leave the sport healthy regardless of the outcome. So I think throwing in the towel really cemented um, his opinion on that, which is a good thing, and that's something that not many fighters would do, and not many corners would do that for their fighter. So I think um, I'm, I'm very impressed and um, appreciative of Brunson and his corner for their understanding of, hey, I don't need to sit here and take 18 more elbows to the face when I'm unconscious, right? And um, after that, Jared Cannonier gets on the mic and gives a very electric, electric post-fight interview. And that's going to do wonders for selling that fight with Israel Adesanya. I hope people watch that fight and then turn around and watch Israel Adesanya two fights later. And um, I hope they want that fight because that's the fight they're going to get, so... So uh, Jared Cannonier did what he needed to do. Now, Derek Brunson, on the other hand, he's got one fight left and he's going to retire. So I'm really interested to see what they plan on doing with him. I think the matchup that they would go with is going to be Jack Hermanson or Kelvin Gastelum. I think when you're looking at matchmaking, you probably don't want to do like a Brunson versus Paulo because you don't really want to see Brunson hold Paulo down. Right, because Paulo is someone who is very good in that division. Um, same with like a Whitaker. You don't want to see Brunson hold Whitaker down and just you know do nothing. So I think that they they'd be looking to give Brunson a match against someone that is also a good grappler and could also strike a little bit on the feet. Um, that's the UFC's mo when they're looking at matchmaking Derek Brunson. They're going to go, oh, this is his retirement fight. Let's give him someone who can beat him, right? You, the UFC doesn't really like to, to see people go out on wins. Maybe they do a prospect. Maybe if Nazardini, Malvov, or Muniz gets a really good win, they go in that direction. I imagine they wouldn't give him another really good stylistic matchup like a Kevin Holland, like a Darren Till, like an Edmund Shabazian. Um, so I imagine he's going to get a, a good grappler next. And if you need more evidence, look at Roxanne Mataferi versus Casey O'Neill. Not really going to talk about that fight, but you have the retiring Roxanne Mataferi taking on an undefeated prospect, right? You know the UFC wanted Casey O'Neill to win that fight, get the name of Roxanne Mataferi on a resume, and Roxanne Mataferi rides off in the sunset. It's just the way it, it's always been. It's, it's marketing. And then we're going to skip around a little bit. We're going to move to Bobby Green versus Hazrat and... Bobby Green is one of the fighters that I love watching, right? He is so, so quick. So, so quick. It's ridiculous how quick Bobby Green is. And I really like the way he strikes with his hands low. Um, because and, and he can get away with that because he's so good defensively. Head movement. 
He has a really interesting way of getting in the Philly shell on the fly when strikes are coming. Because in, in MMA, you can't really stand there in the Philly shell because you're going to get kick, kick, kicked in the leg, right? It's just, it, it's just something you can't do. And um, he gets into, he utilizes it really well for MMA, good head movement. So he can fight with the hands low. He's good at it. And um, Bobby Green, the other thing I like is the hands are low and he's constantly moving in a very unique way. The angle, the strike's already coming at a unique angle because he's got his hands low. And then he's kind of doing this little dance and, and flinches and faints and really, really unorthodox movement. He almost has feints um, as a part of the way he moves in the octagon. Um, very interesting movement. And then you're sitting there going, okay, is he just moving around the octagon? Is he feigning? Is he is he throwing a strike? And then, you know, you're like, oh, he's just moving around. And then and then you get hit with the jab to the face that came at you 100 miles an hour. Bobby Green, tremendous, tremendous boxer. And I think he's going to do great things in this division. And I think he's on a really strong trajectory. Um, last loss is to, um, why can I not remember his name, Rafael Fazid. Um, so, you know, it's not like he's out, he's out here losing to bums. So, Bobby Green, tremendous fighter. I just wish he would attack the legs a little bit more, you know. Uh, especially in that last fight, Hazrat did a lot with the hands high. And then I wish he would just mix in some, some strong leg kicks. And um, I, I see a really bright future for Bobby Green. Bobby Green is an incredibly talented guy. And I don't know if he gets a ranked opponent next, but it's going to be close. I could see Brad Liddell versus um, Bobby Green. That's a reasonable fight, in my opinion. Also, I could see Bobby Green versus, you know, a lot of guys who are outside that top 15 range. And that's just the way the, the lightweight division works, you know. There's 15 guys who aren't ranked that you could make a case that they deserve to be ranked. So Bobby Green's going to have options. <clears throat> and then here, we're just going to do a quick rundown of the rest of the fights. Those were the ones I wanted to talk about in detail. Hanato Moicano got a really nice win against Alexander Hernandez. So credit to Moicano on that. Andre Arlovsky continued to win. Um, I believe that's, I think he's 5-1 or something in his last six or something like that. Let me double check here. Andre Arlovsky is... Five and five and one in his last six. So Andre Arlovsky is in a really good spot in his career, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if you see see uh, Andre Arlovsky fighting a ranked opponent not soon, but you know if he wins one or two more, you gotta give him someone ranked. Casey O'Neill um, kept her undefeated record against Roxanne Mataferi. Roxanne Mataferi is a legend of the sport. Hope she does well in retirement. Kyler Phillips, another tremendous fight. He is a tremendous fighter and um, very well-liked amongst the MMA community for his skill set. And um, very, very good finish. Very, very strong. Izzy's teammate Carlos Olberg goes out there and got a win versus Fabio Chernat. And... Um, Probably could have been a little bit more active, but when you walk away with a win, it's whatever. And then um, last one is Blood Diamond versus Jeremiah Wells. Blood Diamond's a kickboxer who they gave to gave his 
Let me just rephrase that. Blood Diamond is a kickboxer, and in his very first match, they gave him Jeremiah Wells. Not only can Jeremiah Wells knock somebody out, but he can out-wrestle you and submit you. And um, not a great first fight for Blood Diamond, a terrible stylistic matchup. So um, I don't think Blood Diamond is done. I think he should probably move to 155 pounds. He looked a little bit undersized. But regardless, I still think Blood Diamond is a very strong fighter. And Jeremiah Wells, on the other hand, he is looking good. I mean, his last two fights, um, rear naked choke win over Blood Diamond and right hook win over Wardy Alvarez. I really like Jeremiah Wells. At 170 pounds, he's a big guy. I think that he can make some, uh, he, he, can pro- he could possibly make a run at the top 15 in that division and then looking at the top 15 in that division um just a quick side note um Shavkat Rachmanov got his ranking and he is now at 15 so expect interesting things from him in the future that was just one side note that I just saw now moving to next week's fight card this is also going to be quick um there isn't a lot to talk about but the main thing is the main event was supposed to be Rafael Fiziev versus RDA. And Fiziev couldn't get his visa in time, so they bumped that to 272. And it is now a five-round co-main because they already signed a five-round uh, bout agreement. Now, um, Johnny Walker and Jamal Hill gets pushed to the main event. And Jamal hit, or excuse me, and they uh, make that a five-round fight. That is a fight that I love. I love Jamal Hill. I think he's a tremendous, tremendous fighter, and he is in a really good spot in that light heavyweight division. He's got one loss to Paul Craig, but I won't shame anyone for getting submitted by Paul Craig. With that being said, this is going to be a really interesting fight. I'm glad it's five rounds. I think that Jamal Hill is going to bring a fight here, and I think Jamal Hill wins this by KO. Now, being um, incredibly transparent, Jamal Hill and I um, are from the same city, so I'm incredibly biased towards Jamal Hill. But you know, a lot of people love him and respect him who you know aren't aren't really don't really have any reason to be biased towards him. So you just uh, keep in that in mind. Now some other fights: Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak El Hassan is going to be a tremendous fight. Tremendous fight. Let me say it again: that's a tremendous fight. Um, now this doesn't. This card doesn't really have a lot going for it. Not a tremendous card. Um, David Onama versus Gabriel Benitez might not be a bad fight. Jessica Rose Clark is on this card. She's a fan favorite. Kristen Rodriguez, 7-0, is opening up the card. So always, I always look out for guys with zeros in their record. Um, Kyle Dowskis is in the co-main against Jamie Pickett. And um, that shouldn't be a bad fight. And Kyle Dowskis is someone who was recently ranked, no longer ranked. But um, still a good fighter. And... That is going to be it for this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I wanted to make it quick. I didn't want to keep us here too long, but thank you for listening and make sure you tune in next week because we are going to be doing a breakdown of UFC Fight Night, Jamal Hill versus Johnny Walker. Thank you.